Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Gamerpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Carlton. Today, I have a very special guest with us. I have Kevin Strezzo. Hey there, Kevin. How's it going? Good. How are you doing, Brad? Oh, it's a beautiful sunny day in Las Vegas. How about yourself? No, not too bad. It's, uh, it's, a, it's quite a nice day here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Fantastic. All right. So, Kevin, I like getting my show just started right out the gate. So, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Well, uh, I'm a data analyst by trade. So most of uh, the time I work in Excel spreadsheets. I also do SQL development, working in databases, data analysis, those types of things. I'm the vice president for Carolina Broomball, which is a 501c3 nonprofit sports league. Uh, and just a, a different kind of obscure sport you might say it's uh, originally from Canada but it's played very similarly to hockey the only uh, there's a few differences you run on the ice with special shoes uh, you have <clears throat> a ball that's about the size of a um, of a melon like a cantaloupe uh, and you play with a slightly larger size goal and for the most part the rules are basically the same uh, so I work with that organization um, I've hosted a national tournament um, with some of my some of the other organizers of the board of directors that we have, and uh, so that's primarily what I do right now. In COVID times, I you know work out in my garage four times a week, trying to just stay in shape. I've got lots of house projects. All right, fantastic. I um I was gonna ask because you sent me some videos of broomball beforehand and like this was new to me. And I'm like, I've I've done ice skating before and I nearly died. And like, how are these people running on the ice? <laughs> so I was gonna ask you about that. Thanks for bringing it up. Now, uh, before we get into anything else though, I start every episode with a single question. So I'm gonna ask you just like I ask everybody else. So on a scale of one to 10, 10 being high, how weird are you, Kevin? I'd probably say maybe like a, a five or six. I wouldn't put myself as like a super weird person. I'm pretty vanilla when it comes to a lot of things, but I have some weird intricacies. Okay, and why is that? You you organize broomball. I think that should qualify for something, right? <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's funny. So I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And in Pittsburgh, I played deck hockey. We call it deck hockey but it's you know commonly called street hockey you play on like a court uh, either inside or indoors or outdoors uh and you have um you know like a racquetball sized ball or or the like rubber puck the the one with the rollers on it um and so when i moved down here in 2010 i was looking to find something um, competitive, like a team sport, because that's the one of the few ways that I really get exercise. I got to be competitive, or or to to actually be motivated to exercise. That's since changed, but uh, I couldn't find any street hockey down here at first, even though there is some. But I had heard about broomball. There was broomball in Pittsburgh, and I didn't play it when I was up there, and so I decided to give it a try once and. Tried it one night and I was hooked. And now 10 years later, I'm 
one of their organizers. So Very cool. Uh, all right, I'll ask you all about that here in just a minute. But this is the Gamerpreneur, so I'm going to need your gaming cred. When did you first start playing video games? I would say my first console was the NES. So I was playing Jackal, Jaws, uh, Battletoads. Um, I think there was a Blades of Steel hockey game. That's I started at, at NES. I played a lot of uh, Sega Genesis, original Game Boy. Um, I've been playing right now. I'm currently playing uh, Eve Online, which is a I guess it's an MMORPG online. It's it's kind of like World of Warcraft, but space. And uh, lots of people commonly say it's spreadsheet gaming, um, and that's absolutely accurate. <laughs> um, but yeah, I play. Um, I've been on Xbox a lot. I I used to play a lot of um, Sea of Thieves. Halo was when I was in college. I wasn't really into games after I got into college, and then one of my friends started playing Halo, and I just started playing with him co-op on the original, and that's how I got back into video games. So I've they're all they've always been around. I'm a big Zelda fan. That's uh, one of one of my favorites. Um, Breath of the Wild was was really good. I like that. Um, but yeah, just um, trying to think of anything else. I played Super Nintendo. Um, I'm not really a place. I mean, I have a play, PS2. I did play uh, Final Fantasy Tactics is my favorite uh, Final Fantasy game. Um, trying to think what else. I, I play a lot of, I used to play a lot of shooter games. I do like a lot of strategy-based games. Um, I'm not really into racing as much, although I did play some racing games. Sea of, Three, sea of Thieves was probably one of my favorite games. Just that and Battlefield, any of the Battlefield series, just because they're uh, team-based games. I like where you have a role and you have to play that role within your team and work together. Those are those are sort of my favorite kinds of games. I love it. All right, so you know it's it's kind of interesting when I have someone who isn't athletics and they're all over athletics and here you organize athletics but you also play video games does anybody find it strange that you do that do you ever get like comments or questions about that um i i don't know i would say you know for a long time there was this sort of look that about people people had these sort of um expectations about what gamers were and how they looked or what they you know what their lifestyles were like and uh the the older i get the more i find that there's just people uh all kinds of people that play video games and so it, it's kind of normalized i at least in my personal experience that um doesn't people people usually peg me as a gamer just because i have a nerdy personality i don't know if it's I don't know if that would be the correct word to describe it, but um, yeah. Okay. Kind of last gaming question, then we'll get into the uh, what you do IRL. But if you had to pick one game out of everything you've played, it sounds like you've had quite an experience across all the different systems. What would that one game be as your all-time favorite? So it's funny because it's not the, it's not like a team cooperative game, but uh, Zelda Link, to, it's not linked to the past it's um it's the oh gosh i can't believe i i can't remember the name it's it just came a link's awakening sorry um 
Zelda Link's Awakening was originally for Game Boy. That was like my first Zelda game, uh, even though there was Zelda for NES and um, and SNES. That was the first one that I actually like really got into. Um, and I, I can remember the first time I beat it, I was like in between seventh and eighth grade classes. And I just had that one piece left to get through. I remember I was probably about the same age as you and I played. I remember this like existential crisis playing this game because what's reality and like, <laughs> oh, I love that game. That's definitely a good one. All right, so Kevin, uh, now over to the preneur part. So you're a data analyst IRL uh, as your day job. And what does that mean? What it means to me is a lot of searching for data most of the time. People want to know, want, people need to take raw data and turn it into information. And you do that by grouping and sorting information, putting it into reports, either putting it into some type of graph uh, and and showing the data that way, or maybe putting it on a map. There's a, a lot of data science stuff out there, um, but oftentimes it will also include creating um, calculated fields. So based on the information that we've gathered, how what can we turn that into, how, how can we break that down into further calculations to understand um, whether it be how somebody is paid per hour or the amount of overtime somebody has worked um, in California. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't be in Las Vegas. You're, you're in Nevada. Did you say I'm in Nevada? Nevada? Yeah. yeah. Um, in California, the overtime rules are different than any other state. Um, so a lot of times I am writing SQL queries to first pull the information out and that might be grouping and sorting the information, filtering out uh, is uh, to only get is the, the smallest amount of relevant data that you need because it's faster to get small a smaller amount of data out of your database um, and then turning it into information based on what people want. Very cool. And why'd you decide to get into that? Well, I when I first got into college, I wanted to be a programmer and, and program video games. That was my first, like that was where I wanted to go. And when I started as a freshman, I took a course in C and in Java. And after I took those, I decided that I didn't, I, w I wasn't good at reading the code and I didn't want to sit in front of a computer staring at lines of code all day. And I, ended up moving into or changing my major from computer science to computer information science, which is sort of the liaison between the business world and uh, the uh, development world. So you need to be able to understand the tech, but then you need to be able to translate it into proper regular English that somebody would be able to understand without having their eyes, you know, just glaze over. Okay, so you drank the Kool-Aid, but not the whole jug. Yes. Well, and the, the, th the funny thing is, is, so I got in as a computer information scientist, scientist I guess that's what you would call it. Um, but I started in doing uh, help desk and worked for a bank. And then I ended up teaching. I was doing 
uh, like Excel access where all the Microsoft Office courses, I ended up getting into databases. I did some Photoshop, or like Adobe courses that I used to teach, some soft skills. Uh, and then eventually I got into databases and access and then I moved into SQL. And then eventually I got good at SQL because I was teaching it. And that was just something that I, it clicked with me, even though it's still programming. It's, it's a different kind of programming. I'm a problem solver. I like being able to ask different questions to figure out uh, how to pull the data properly. And that, that to me is what gets it for me. That, that's why I find uh, SQL programming in general uh, interesting. That's that's how I ended up getting into the database. So I ended up going back into programming uh, and development. Uh, so you could say you found a backdoor in. Yeah, you could. That that is uh, that would be the proper way to describe it. Yeah. Okay. Bad humor all around here. Okay. So what makes you good at this? Like, what like skills or talents do you have that have been able to carry you through? Well, I'd like to say that I have a talent for trying different tools and trying different configurations of tools. That I tend to be a problem solver. I look at all of the all of the variables that I have on one side, and I look at all of the outputs on the other side, and then just being able to sort of parse out line by line what things are doing. Uh, and like the te- the the problem solving thing isn't just for for development, but it's something that I've been able to apply in all parts of my life. Uh, And so that to me is something I really enjoy. Like I said, um, trying to figure out things. Uh, Another gamer example would be, uh, I grew up with uh, playing the game Myst and the different series. Um, That was something I played with my dad. And, you know, we had, we both had a notebook and we would be playing the game separately. And then when we get stuck in a spot, we would compare notes. So the problem solving thing has just always been something I've done in games and eventually it got into my work and I, I just apply it everywhere. Um, so that, that would be sort of my natural talent. But I also enjoy um, you know, working with the numbers and um, building things. So in addition to games like video gaming, I was really big into Legos. So I liked the the ability of being able to build stuff and then, you know, make things up and use my imagination. And I think having an imagination and being able to do those things also allows you to well, sort of try things that aren't necessarily um, obvious. Uh, and so you can sort of push the boundaries and and sort of try and test things to see if they work the way that they ought to. And if they don't, how can that, why is it doing it that way? And should it be doing it that way? Wonderful. Okay. So part of the purpose of my show is to be able to show my viewers, you know, maybe there's somebody out there who doesn't know what they want to do with their life. They just have no idea. And they can listen to all these different people that I have come on and talk about what they're doing. If somebody wanted to become a data analyst, what path would they have to go down? Like, what should they do? Well, I would say that my path was a little bit indirect. Um, So it's not necessarily the only way that you could get into data analysis. But, you know, I went to school for it. I took four years of uh, computer information science. uh, And I learned several different programming languages. uh, And I... I, uh, but I, I feel like 
the education my college education was less important and what happened after school was more important um particularly getting into being a trainer i i think that being a trainer was probably one of the best things that i could have done to uh, to get better at my skills was because I was constantly teaching the same stuff over and over again and it's repetitive and you know I I got good at it where I I have a lot of dry humor and you know I've built in little different jokes and things to to make people laugh and help them remember different parts of Excel which is boring in and of itself um, but being able to train, I think, was probably the most important part. So if there, if you could get down a path where you can teach others the simple parts and then continue to work your way up and teach people, I think that's definitely that would be my advice. Uh, the, if there's not like a a specific path, obviously, I I also did start in uh, working with help desk. I think if you're doing any kind of IT work, help desk is sort of a a landing spot. But then again, that was also um over 10 years ago so uh, things could be totally different now but i would say on a very like on a very high level being able to reproduce or do things like, like training is a good way to go it's not the only way but it worked for me no absolutely it's basically true in every industry that i've seen if you have to teach it you have to know it right it's so fantastic all right let's talk about broom balls Please, you want to tell, know? Me, tell me everything I need to know about broomball. This is fascinating. Well, like I said, it is an ice sport. It's played very similarly to hockey. It is originally Canadian. So it was, it originated with uh, the streetcar drivers where they would play. And if you can imagine the old straw brooms where like on the bottom, the straw is sort of wrapped bound together to a certain point if you were to just cut off the bristles on the bottom and just left with that chunk that's wrapped around the broom, that's what they played with. Uh, they, and, and whatever kind of ball they had laying around. So that's where the game originated. They used to call it a, a drunk man's hockey. Uh, and it's sort of a sport that's played for people that are less athletic. I, I want to say less athletic, but it's definitely also a, um, it's it's not uh, it, it's still you still get a lot of a, a good workout out of it. But like I said, it's played on ice. You play on a regular hockey rink, uh, and at least in the United States, we have uh, the same rules as hockey. There's one difference. I don't know if you're familiar with the hockey rules, um, but like one of the rules is on sides. There's a blue line. And so in order for you to go into the offensive zone, if you have the ball and you're an offense, is the ball has to cross the blue line first before any of your offensive players can go in the zone. Um, in broom ball, the, the rule is exactly the same, except once you've gone into the zone, it opens up so that instead of having the, if the defense can get it past that blue line in hockey, then it's out. And then you have to like, Everybody has to, everybody on the offense has to get out of the the offensive zone, and then the ball the, the or the ball or the puck has to go across the blue line again first. Um, so that's once a little you're bit in, you're in. Way, but uh, but in in broom ball, it's moved back to the halfway line to the red line in the middle, uh, mm -hmm. so that you have more room to move around. 
uh, because the ball is the ball is probably about like I said as big as a as a melon and not it's not as small so you it just makes it easier to navigate around um, okay. and play the sport. Very cool. I have to know, like, what are spe- what's special about the shoes? Because, like, if I touch ice, like, I'm my feet are in the air. Like, how how are they not sliding? So the shoes have a pretty thick sole that is made of a softer rubber, and the traditional broomball shoes have a lot of small teeth. Uh, if you can imagine, uh, just a bunch of sort of like a almost like a brush or where you have a lot of rubber teeth on the bottom. That's probably not a good example, but it just has a lot of soft teeth. And when you step on the ice, the sole, because it's so big, it sort of squishes out. And so you get more surface area and that, and the teeth are designed to sort of work with the snow because it was originally an outdoor sport. So it kind of like keeps the snow um, like from help from making it slippery and the surface area makes it easier for you to run around. It's not perfect, uh, but it does help enough that you can at least move around a little bit. And it takes some getting used to, um, but it's mostly the soft soles and that it squishes out. There's actually a lot of new designs coming out lately in the last probably five years, I would say there's been a lot of developments and a lot of, um, people people here in the United States testing new equipment out that have the ability to sort of make new things. Okay. Um, so that's one that that's really just the soft soles is what, what gives you the, the stability on the ice. All right. I love it. So you, uh, you organize a team there in Charlotte and how has it been going with the pandemic? Like, have, did you have to shut down for a while or like, how are you, how are you complying with all the, you know, the social distancing and everything? Yeah, we did have to shut down initially uh, during the the first phase. And once phase two opened up, we were able to play. The way that the guidelines state is that you, at the beginning, you couldn't have public events. And because Carolina Broomball is a private group, we were able to play based on the the guidelines of the governor in North Carolina. And we, the ice rink, when they were shut down for a while, they went in and they revamped a whole bunch of things in the rink. They repainted a bunch of things. They redid the ice. um, They bought new furniture, all kinds of different things they did. And in addition to that, they also set up, uh, based on the, the guidelines of the governor in North Carolina, uh, a a way to bring people in. So so depending on the group, uh, there there initially weren't any guests that were allowed to come in. It was only people that were playing. So they reduced the amount of people. There is a bar that is in between the two ice sheets, like that sits up higher, like upstairs, so that you can actually look out over the two ice rinks. And that was closed down for a while. And uh, so there's hand sanitizer everywhere. Everybody has to wear a mask unless you're on the ice. Uh, the rules are uh, if you have a helmet on, you don't have to have a mask on. You can wear one if you want. But if you're off, if your helmet is off, your mask has to be on. 
they've also limited the number of people that can play at a time. So right now we don't have an actual like season or anything that we're playing. We just have pickup games. And so there's a limited number of people that can play to reduce the amount of people on the ice. Uh, in addition to that, they've uh, made it possible for, for more than one locker room so that they can properly socially distance in the locker rooms as well. And I'm trying to think if there's anything. Oh, um, when you first come in, so they, they are, you have to sign in. Uh, you can sign up online for the, for the pickup game. Uh, but we check to see who you are, check everybody off the list so that there aren't additional people playing. And they also check your temperature when you come in. Okay. Uh, so, th- so those are sort of the rules to get in. And then, like I said, um, you kind of, you still try and keep your sort of six feet distance most of the time and have your mask on unless you're on the ice. Okay. And how about on your end, like as an organizer, how has this been trying to, you know, parse through all these rules and, you know, it's been difficult to find other people to play with just because, you know, things went crazy. Well, there, so there's two parts of that. I would say Carolina Broomball has been around since before, like since the, around the eighties, I believe. So it's been around in Charlotte for quite a long time. And so there are a bunch of people that have been playing broomball for as long as I've been down here. Because uh, I, I literally started maybe two or three months after I moved down here. Um, so we, we all, there's about, at any given time during the year, there's roughly 40 to 50 people that play broomball and are close by. Um, so that So it's sort of our closed group, uh, but we do get, new people that are interested in playing uh and that has been you know as long as because it's a pickup game we have in the past at least pre-covid we had a lot of equipment that you could borrow and use uh to play and um but it's it's kind of worked out so far we just have been taking it one one day at a time as the restrictions change um i personally myself I'm not currently playing. Um, uh, my girlfriend that I live with is immunocompromised. And so I still want to participate and I will show up. But right now I've uh, moved on to uh, broadcasting the games. So I have a cell phone set up and I do a Facebook live and it, the, the phone is set up on a tripod. And actually I've, started building my own audio setup where I have a small audio mixer that uh, my, I I have a headset level. It's like a actual headset over the ears with a microphone on it. And I have a buddy of mine who also will commentate with me and he has his own headset and they both plug into the mixer. And then that mixer outputs the sound to the phone. And so I can, so we can both talk, with our masks on and have the microphones up to our mouths. And it sounds, well, people tell me it sounds pretty good for, for what it is. Very nice. Okay. Now, how long have you been doing this or uh, being the organizer? I think it'll be, I'm, it'll be four years. I think it's four years. All right. That's a long time. Congratulations for sticking with it that long, but I'd like to ask, 
if you go back in time, you talk to little Kevin, who was just starting out, you know, what was it like back then? When I first started playing broomball? No, when you first started being the organizer for it. Oh, well. You know, being a player is totally different than having to manage the thing. Sure, sure. I, so when I first, I would say, even though I, was, I started in official capacity as the vice president maybe four years ago, uh, the way that Carolina Broomball was set up, it has sort of changed over time. And if you talk to the sages, the, the, the older veterans um, that played back in the day, they will tell you that they used to play over uh, in Eastland Mall. Eastland Mall is no more, but it, it was torn down. But at the time, it had a smaller ice rink. And uh, in, in any case, uh, it's, it, it had a ton of teams. There were actually eight teams and two separate leagues. And when I first joined, all of that had gone away because we started playing at uh, the Extreme Ice Center, which is a full ice rink. And it was only run by one person, uh, the, the current president. And he sort of held it together for years uh, and was just doing it on his own for a very long time, just organizing everything, whether it be the league or any pickup games. We, you know, we hosted tournaments. Uh, we had Ironman events where instead of having, uh, basically you have a smaller team of just five people and you play a shorter game and then you go off and ever like each team, you play a bunch of shorter games, um, but you're on and off real fast. Um, <clears throat> in any case, uh, he was running it by himself for a very long time. And I spent years trying to convince him that I could help him. And at least this is, this is how I look at it. It's from my perspective. Um, but finally I got him to trust me and I was able to convince him to uh, turn the business into a nonprofit to create a board of directors uh, and to start building different committees for things so that he, I was basically taking the responsibilities off of his shoulders, the burdens, um, so that other people could do them and that the uh, sort of the burdens were just spread out across multiple people and had backups and different things. So in case somebody was gone or sick or whatever on vacation, um, that those things would be taken care of. Um, so that was sort of my, where I got started was, I wanted to help him because, you know, he's got a family, he's got kids, his job, and all of those things are, are full-time in and of themselves. And broomball is kind of that extra thing if you have to organize it. So, and I, I didn't want broomball to die. Like I, once I started playing, I was hooked and, uh, you know, I was afraid that, that perhaps, you know, if something happened to him, like we always made the joke, lo and behold, you know, if you, uh, in the unlikely event that you were hit by a bus or something like what would happen to broomball and uh, you know there wasn't really a good answer for that so we provided a, a way to uh, have a group of people to support him and it's worked out I would say it's worked out pretty good we we haven't really grown a whole lot we we went from we were originally when I first joined we were at 
uh, I want to say six teams and then it dropped down to four and we've been going back and forth between four and five teams each year. And one of the things that uh, we haven't really focused on is increasing our visibility, which is, you know, one of the reasons why I'm here, you know, so people can know what broomball is uh, and more people can see what it is and, uh, and play. Even if you're not in North Carolina, there's broomball in Las Vegas. There's actually a tournament in Las Vegas. Um, and but broomball, the broomball Mecca is in uh, Minnesota in the twin cities, uh, at least in the United States. Uh, Canada, obviously broomball is very big in, in uh, Canada, uh, but in the United States, um, it is mostly in Minnesota, but there are leagues all over the place. Uh, so we've traveled uh, to Boston, Pittsburgh, um, Baltimore. I'm trying to think of all the places I've gone to. There's a, a nice uh, rink out in Miami of Ohio at the university. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other places that I've been to myself. Um, they have had national tournaments in Minnesota and also in Fargo. I went to a national tournament that was in Ohio at, at that university, Miami of Ohio. Um, but they're all over the place. Uh, and we are, there's actually, um, I could probably talk about this all day. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's actually a brand new national organization. Um, the, uh, the United States uh, Broomball Association and it is, uh, they are working on group get, gathering more people to uh, reach out to places that don't have broomball yet and to start growing. Um, so one of the thing, one of the responsibilities I'll have at some point is to uh, reach out to people in the Midwest is where I'm going to be working on. Um, primarily outside of Minnesota, there's people in, the, uh, in Ohio, Indiana, um, and uh, in the, along the Northeast coast, um, in the places where you might see hockey. Charlotte happens to be one of the southmost places, uh, but there is a uh, broomball league that's in uh, South Florida as well. Okay, this is fascinating. Um, but I, I, if I if I could, I would let you keep going. <laughs> like, uh, I do try to keep these to about half an hour, and we're already a little over that. But I, I still have some more questions I want to ask you. I want to ask you a little more personal questions if we can about you. Um, and if I may, may I humble you for a moment? Um, you see, I believe that we learn the most in our life from our failures. When we screw up, you know, get whacked in the face by something, you've got to figure out what happened, you know, dust yourself off and then be able to move forward. So I'd like to ask you, what do you consider your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Hmm. When I think of failure in my life, a lot of times I think of a bunch of successive failures and i would look i i don't know if that's really a good enough answer for you uh, but a lot of times i've spent uh i don't know how many times trying to convince people to do things for instance i used to do multi-level marketing when i was in college i got roped into it and you know it works for some people it doesn't work for a lot of people um, yeah, you have to have a certain personality type to really be good at it right Exactly. And, you know, I tried to convince people, I got a couple of people to join and eventually, you know, I, 
couldn't really do that. And I've always tried to come up with different ideas and be, uh, you know, with Broomball, like I said, it was successive failures all the time uh, where I didn't, where, you know, it was either a, I, I couldn't effectively communicate uh, what I needed or I couldn't gain the appropriate trust with the people that I wanted. Um, but I don't, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, of a specific failure that I had. I, I would like to think I, maybe I just block out most of them because most of the time <laughs> my, my uh, philosophy is, is like, I, I, I it's the, the tub thumping song. I get knocked down, but I get mm -hmm. up again. And I spend a lot, that, that tenacity is really what has helped me continue moving despite the, failures that I have and what was it they say is it Thomas Edison found how many ways to not, ways not to find a light bulb yeah yeah and that's really what it comes down to is your failure is something that you grow from and you learn okay I'm not going to do this I'm not going to do this little thing and eventually if you string together 10,000 things that aren't right you come up with uh some some pretty good things that actually do work uh and Oftentimes, uh, I would say if you are able to do that with multiple people around you, then all of you can learn together and you can learn from other people's mistakes at the same time and sort of compound or shrink the amount of time that you need to learn uh, or, or fail individually. I love it. All right. So, Kevin, another question for you. What is something that you're working to improve on in yourself today? Personal fitness. Uh, I would say, I would, so you might look at me as an athletic person, at least in the context of this interview, uh, but up until this year, I was not a really physical person. When you go out on, like, it, in Charlotte, North Carolina, there's a lot of people that, we, we call it a beer league, right? Because literally there's a bar and we drink and we play broom ball. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it's before and sometimes it's after and whatever, but uh, and so there's a lot of people like you can get out on the ice and you can play and you don't have to be a skilled player to be good or to enjoy playing broomball. Um, and uh, it, it's something that you, uh, you can get better at. And um, you have to forgive me. I, I kind of got sidetracked there and lost the question. What was it? That you what you're working to improve on in yourself and athleticism yeah. your answer. <laughs> So, so I've not really always been in shape. I mean, I've gotten in shape before, uh, but one of the things that happened is last year, I, I got to a point in my life where I just felt unhealthy. I felt bad and I didn't want to feel that way anymore. And I had been feeling that way for literally years. And I had kept saying to myself, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I had, you know, looked at different diets. I had uh, tried working out different ways. And I told you, you know, I don't, I'm not somebody who really works out. And when I first moved to Charlotte, I wanted to play broomball as my method of fitness. Well, we only play once a week. And so, and, and then you might, you know, have chicken wings or a burger and you drink a beer or whatever. Like, what kind of fitness is that technically, right? I mean, yes, you're, you're getting some, a good workout, but 
this year, for whatever reason, it clicked and I wanted to do something more. And I started, um, I started doing CrossFit and it was, you know, I, everybody makes the joke, like, oh, they just want to talk about CrossFit, but like <laughs> working out was something super hard for me because I had to do it on my own. And I have, a and, and also I don't like working out around people. I used to work for the YMCA of greater Charlotte and you have a free membership when you work at the Y and I didn't go. And there was a couple of times, like I went to try and learn weightlifting cause I was trying to stay in shape. And I had a friend of mine that I would play racquetball with on occasion. And that was fun too, but I didn't really work out that much. And this year has just been a year where I've been working out four days a week and that is some, and I get up at 5am to do it and I'm not a morning person and I've never been a morning person. So this like is something that has, I've wanted to do for a very long time. And it's only been until this year that I've harnessed the motivation to just consistently do it all year. Um, and that's something that I'm really happy with that I was able to accomplish because up until this year, that wasn't happening. It, and it's a hard struggle for anyone. And I don't blame anybody for not being able to do it. Everybody's on their own journey. So, but that, that was mine. All right. That's so wonderful. Kevin, this has been a fantastic interview. Thank you so much. How do people find you? How would they reach out to you? Where are you at on social media? So if you Google Carolina Broomball, you'll find us, you know, on the Googles. Um, but if you go in, it'll be just search for Carolina Broomball. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I'm in the process of setting up a Twitch stream and, uh, and possibly LinkedIn. One of the things that I want to get into is, uh, streaming our games on more than one platform, YouTube as well. But the main places I would say, if you want to start, go to Facebook, that's where our Facebook page is. That's where most of our interaction is and go to the Instagram page because that's where you can see us playing all the time that, I mean, I, I will take, well, up until this point when I started videoing, which is on uh, Facebook Live. So you can go there and see our videos. Um, but up until that point, I was recording little 10 second or one minute blips of us playing broomball and then throwing them up in a, uh, in a, uh, a queue of, uh, of videos on Instagram so that people could see what it was. So, but Carolina Broomball is what you want to search for. You'll find us on all of those social medias fantastic all right now as we wrap this up do you have any final thoughts you want to share anything i didn't ask you think we still need to cover i would say if you haven't ever tried broom ball and you like playing sports or even if you don't like playing sports broom ball is a sport that anybody can play uh, I've seen people that have started playing broomball and were just absolutely terrible. But if you come out and play once, even you could come out and play. I know it takes a little bit of time. The, the, first, the first time people come out, it's always looking for the yard sale. When they, when they like bite it the first time and fall over and they lose their gloves or their stick or whatever. And that happens. Some people don't do that, though. 
And even if you do that, like after you get used to just running around the ice, it's fun. It's, it's fun. You, uh, you know, if you, if you want to get some kind of exercise and you like team sports, broomball is a sport that, that anybody can play and be relatively decent at in a very short amount of time. Absolutely. I may consider it, you know, you know, maybe a shoes with little grippers on it's easier than blades. <laughs> it, it is honestly, it's, it's not, uh, it's not, it doesn't take the same kind of skill to skate. Uh, it's just shoes and you're just running around and it's a little bit slippery, but you get used to keeping your center of gravity in between your feet, sort of keep your feet shoulder width apart or a little bit wider. Um, and it just takes a little bit of practice, but it's totally worth at least trying once. And if you try it once, I can almost guarantee you'll love it. All right. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on today. We genuinely do appreciate this. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And for everybody else, I'm going to remind you all, don't be just a gamer, be a gamerpreneur. <laughs>